Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 347 for August 23rd, 2022. Today's guest is Lotus K, who returns to the podcast today to discuss her new book, Friends Lift You Up, and her music, and we talk about neurodiversity. It's really good. You've heard Lotus on the show before, and this is another incredible conversation. It gives me so much hope that young people know what's up and are really going to change the world for the better. I mean, they are, right? They got it. I think they got it. I'm your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for 17 years, over 17 years. Is it 17? Is it 18 now? I need to do that math again. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com, or you can just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at michaelheron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at michaelheron, or you can email me at mikeypod at gmail.com. Um, I'm about to cough, <clears throat> which is a perfect introduction to telling you that I finally got COVID. Why do I feel like I'm waiting for a congratulations on that? Um, it totally sucked. I feel like I just lost an entire week. I slept for most, I guess it was two weeks ago now, um, that I was just super sick. Um, I know most everyone who's listening to this has probably had it already, but um, it, it was incredibly terrible. Um, but I'm back. I'm super happy to have this conversation with uh, Lotus to share with you. Um, there are a couple of things I'm feeling really excited about. I know I've mentioned podcasting 2.0 before, um, but I'm super excited about it right now. That's uh, I don't know if you're following this, and I still don't know enough about what's really happening um, to uh, to to uh, be able to talk about it, I guess. Um, but there, there's a new app, podcasting app called Fountain, that actually pays you in Bitcoin for listening to podcasts, very small amount. And I don't know much about Bitcoin anyway, but you can also, when you're listening, you can um, send some of that Bitcoin to a podcast you enjoy. And then I can, on my podcast, I haven't figured out how to do this yet, like have set up splits so that let's say I have a guest who uh, also is in this world. The more I'm talking about it, the more I'm realizing that I don't really know what I'm talking about. Um, But I could have it set up so that if someone sends me Bitcoin uh, to the podcast, a percentage of it automatically goes to a guest or someone whose music I'm playing or something like that. These kind of things are really interesting. And I love the way it's leveling the field um, again, which is what podcasting is um, and, and really making it an uh, open source feeling thing. I'm really having this energy like I had when I first started the podcast way back when. Uh, so it's super cool and more to come. And if you know more about this than I do, feel free <laughs> to send me an email explaining to some of these things I'm not uh, doing a great job of talking about. I am still working on my websites. I'm doing this work on my own now, um, which is kind of nice. I, I, It's nice and it's challenging because I can look at what I've done so far and be like, this doesn't look good yet. And I don't know how to make it better. Um, but I should note some of the older podcasts, which have not been up, are slowly but surely getting back up on the site. I'm having to go to each of those posts uh, there was a problem that happened, and uh, I had to, um, so I'm having to go back and manually reattach the audio files to all of these past hundreds of posts. Um, but there's only about a hundred more to go. <laughs> I felt like I was making progress. 
but saying like that is uh, saying it like that makes it feel a little uh, daunting still. So the last thing I want to talk about is the Discord server that I've now opened up um, for for people that listen to the podcast or follow any of the other work that I do. It's kind of been nice. It's very low key right now. Just a couple of people are engaging, Sean and Sean, coincidentally. Um, but if you'd like to stop in and talk about the podcast or any of the guests, uh, there'll be a link in the show notes to uh, to an invite to the uh, Discord server. It's a really interesting, I, it feels like a nice sort of cozy way to interact with people on the internet where social media can feel, especially lately for me, uh, pretty overwhelming and a little scary and also triggering and also really terrible mostly <laughs> although not always so uh, if you want to check out the discord server just go to the show notes for this episode there will be a link to the um to uh, to an invite and if you don't know what discord is just come anyway um i've been slowly learning like through a patreon server and some different places I've been getting uh connected to and taking my time to really uh explore what discord is all about and it's pretty cool and I think it has a lot of potential for community building around things like this podcast so I think that's enough talking about that we need to get into an interview but I do want to make sure I thank my subscribers on Patreon for powering this podcast these are people who subscribe for $5 or more a month and get special perks like tons of free downloads of my music and zines and bonus podcasts there are over 80 bonus podcasts in there now so uh, you have immediate access to these all of that stuff when you subscribe you immediately have access to download all this stuff uh, including this week's bonus episode, which is going to feature something special from today's guest, uh, Lotus K. Um, I'm not precisely sure what that is, but she's working on something to share with us. So all of that said, it's time to get into the interview. Let's talk to Lotus K. Joining me now on the podcast is a return visit from author and musician Lotus K. Thanks so much for joining me again today. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, I like, yeah, I I was super invigorated and excited by our last conversation. So it's really cool to get to talk to you again. Um, yeah. You have a new, well, you have a couple of new things happening, but one of them is a new book called Friends Lift You Up. Let's talk about that a little bit. So growing up, definitely experienced a lot of, um, you know, like a lot of people do, and especially when, when you're like in fourth grade or fifth grade and that type of stuff where there was drama within my class and within my friendships. And it it became a very, really stressful thing. I had a lot of anxiety about it. There'd be a lot of tears. There'd be, you know, we'd be like email fighting and oh. all sorts of stuff that like, um, and I had one friendship in particular that was very close, but also very like difficult and teachers would try to get involved in everything and it left a really big impact on me. And, um, you know, and I would still think about this friend a lot. And then it, when I started writing children's books and mostly I started writing them about, you know, animal rights and the environment, but then I had this idea for friends lift you up where I was like, maybe I could write about this experience because um, when we think of bullying, sometimes we think of an older kid that's, you know, bigger than them shoving you into a locker or something, but there's this sort of more bullying that happens within friends. And that gets a little bit more complicated to navigate because it's your friend, but yet they're sometimes mean to you. And, and I was really curious to talk about that because I didn't see any books or really anything about that or anything that could have guided me through when I was going through that. And teachers didn't even really know how to deal with it. And so then I, I wrote the story about these two characters, April and Tyla, and it was a bit based on my, my experience. I feel like I can relate to the April character um, and 
and also that um, April's definitely, you know, has a hard time making friends. And so the sort of power dynamic that there can be is a, because, yeah, I found out I was on the aut autism spectrum. And I think you could probably say that April, since I based the character off of me before I even knew I was autistic when I first wrote it, because I only found out recently, had a similar struggle to me. And so because when there's bullying, usually there's right that power dynamic. And sometimes we don't see what happens socially when they have a social advantage because they can, as Tyler does in the book, kind of gather, gather a group of people to talk about you and gain up on you. But um, like I, I couldn't really do that as well. And so, yeah, there's that. And, and then there's jealousy and there's all sorts of things. But in the end, I give you, you know, tips on being a good friend and a note from the author about, you know, my experience and everything. And I just hoping could start a conversation about that. There's so much good stuff in what you said. Like so many of these dynamics happen as adults. And it's so important that it starts early on in life and it connects with all my other books in the way of like how we treat animals, how we treat the earth. Like, you know, we think kids, they're so pure, they're so whatever. But when we see these little inklings of things that could turn into hate or turn to pre prejudices when they're older, you know, if they're seeing someone that might be seem weaker that or something and they're taking advantage of that. We need to catch that early. So it doesn't turn into, you know, when we're older and we do more and more of that and then become, you know, we want to be kind, good people in the world. And so we have to catch this early and, and kids doing that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I wanted to say was when like some of these dynamics that you're talking about in the book and that you recognize in yourself as a kid, um, I didn't really like, until recently, like in the last five or so years, and I'm 53 years old, did I realize like, oh, wait a minute, this relationship, this friendship I'm having is not nice. Like this person is yeah. not <laughs> treating me the way I should be treated. And I have some similar, I'm not on the autism spectrum, but I have ADHD, a pretty pronounced case uh -huh. of it. And like yeah. some different things that make it challenging for me yeah. to have relationships interestingly um i do think there's a big struggle particularly with neurodivergent kids and having you know struggles with our our friendships and relationships the friend that i was really close to that that i that kind of you know that i i think back to she had adhd and so mm -hmm. i i look back and i'm like was that a factor that i was autistic and she had adhd and us being neurodivergent and i do think that there is definitely a factor in that. And also, I don't know if you heard it, you know, rejection sensitivity dysphoria, it's common in ADHD yes. and in autism. And I think when you're a young kid, the, the bull, you know, we were both so sensitive and had that RSD. And I think there's so many factors and both of us had been bullied before, before knowing each other. And both of us just already had like sort of past traumas with, with stuff. And I think that definitely, you know, definitely needs to be looked at, particularly for kids with autism or ADHD or that have a difference or um, neurodivergent, have a disability and how particularly they're being treated at school in situations because mm. they can be an easy target. It's oh, my gosh, that I just learned about rejection sensitive dysphoria mm -hmm. a few years ago, too. And yeah, I like was in like primary relationships, like dating and stuff for mm -hmm. like 20 years, I just didn't date because I couldn't handle it. I Same. was too like, <laughs> I like, and then I started dating this guy. And when we started dating, I was like, why am I freaking out about everything? Like I would Same. get one text why and be like, back to my text. It's yeah, like, so like, what does this mean? What is that? He didn't, he didn't put an exclamation point. Like, what is this? Yes. Like, I took so much personally about like learning about that really helped me like, okay, yeah. so this might not be real what I'm experiencing right now. You know, like yeah. being able to sort those things out and try to, you know, like redirect myself. 
Yeah. No, it's really tough. Yeah. But then I can think about that as it relates to being a kid and like the topic of your book. You know, there are a lot of yeah. ways like you're thinking about the the friend in the book also may have some neurodivergence yeah. that's affecting their behavior. You know, like, yeah, it's, and it's such a... Up- They'd get upset or offended at something that say in reference to the book that April did or in real life, you know, that I did or whatever things that that happened. And but they were it was because they were really sensitive too. you know, I think we also have to factor in that even our quote bullies or our friends that are being complicated for whatever reason, they might be going through their own struggles, which is something I also wanted to highlight in the book is like, you don't know what people are going through or what their home life is like or what they're and so like, I feel like there's a lot of factors that I could look back on certain people with a lot of compassion, realizing that they they might have reacted or gained up on me because they were hurt or in ways or they were going through things that I didn't realize. And so I think it's really important that you have compassion for, you know, just everyone involved. Mm. Yes, but there's the, also that balance. <laughs> we're getting really into it. <laughs> There, you know, there's a balance between having compassion for the person and also like taking care of yourself and the relationship. Of course, and, yes. And um, it's really challenging. Like, I don't know if you noticed this, but having relationships is very challenging. Oh, again, <laughs> you know, being autistic, I definitely noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about veganism. He talks about veganism, uh, and we talked about it a lot on the last time you were on the show. Yeah. Um, but how, like, how. It relates to being, I always get so, I don't want to sound judgmental, but we're both vegans here. Yeah. <laughs> like one of the things, like when I think about wanting to be a, a kind person, yeah, veganism is related to that. What, yeah. What, do you see like parallels between your veganism and your kind of your awareness about bullying? You might've sort of said this already, but where are you in that space? It's interesting. You know, when it comes to, you know, and, and I mean, th- this is a very deep thing, but when we say that, you know, school shooters or certain people have a history of animal abuse, I do think that how we treat animals does reflect a lot of how we treat people and the type of people we are. So I do think that that's one of the things I want to look for in kids is the way they're treating animals, the way they're treating their peers definitely is is interconnected and um yeah i think i think there's there's definitely a connection because i also think people that have been bullied or have felt like they were they've been through something have more empathy for the downtrodden society so i do mm-hmm. think my empathy for the animals and everything um was strengthened by that probably too yeah yeah i can see that too like coming from the queer community myself, I think there's a lot of like, you know, that realization. And I, a lot of times when I see LGBTQIA plus people, I, I, to me, it like wasn't, my veganism is a little bit of an extension from that awareness of being yeah. othered. And I think mental health and being neurodivergent and that type of thing can give us those perspectives too. But I also find myself really frustrated sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> no, come on, you guys. Let's let's do this but too. Also, like, you treat these animals nicely. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I uh, I was actually I was I was listening to like a podcast that had to do with um um it was like a kids podcast and and they were talking about bullying and um the the, the sort of adult they had talking about bullying was trying to explain this idea of um empathy blind spots that it's easy to bully 
the, the kid or whatever, if they think, oh, their feelings don't matter, their feelings don't count. And, you know, we also talk about the, the sort of double empathy problem when it comes to autistic or neurodivergent kids. And not that, that, that they say that, like, autistic people struggle with empathy, but really neurotypicals struggle with empathy and interacting with autistic people just as much as kind of like equal. They just don't really get each other both ways. And so this could contribute to bullying because we have a hard time having the empathy or understanding for neurodivergent people. But this connects with animals. Think about it very much because we also, you know, we don't communicate the same way. We don't communicate or think in a way completely similar to an autistic person. If you're neurotypical, we also don't with communicate or think the same way as a cow. So we can say their feelings don't matter. They don't have feelings. They don't have personalities all because we don't understand the way they communicate. We don't understand the way they show emotion. It's like, it's like what we have with autism, but like even more so when it's an animal. And and I think autistic people or people that are neurodivergent can see themselves much more easier in an animal than a neurotypical person. Um, and so that gives us more of that empathy. We have less of an empathy blind spot than neurotypicals when it comes to animals. And and so also if we're also bullying or putting down someone that it, it, it like has that difference or we don't understand them you could see how that could be used as an excuse to you know not care about animals either not you know we like we can dehumanize people but then obviously when it comes to animals we could also say say like oh they're so you know i've been i've been hearing a lot of people actually have you seen the youtube um earthling ed yes ed winters Uh i recently discovered it and i've been binging it it was a great discovery and i suggest someone listening go check it out and i've been hearing so many people debate against veganism and one thing that comes up so many times and and ed is so good at just like debunking any argument against it um but but they are always like well we're just so much better and superior and have the intellectual like they're you know that we're so much more intelligent than animals and that that gives permission to cause harm to them or not see them as like worthy almost of just because even though we might have a certain type of intelligence there's a lot of things that animals can do that like we can't do so it's not necessarily it's subjective the intelligence thing but but the type of intelligence that we have like it shouldn't mean that we should just because you have power over someone and also like there's people kids with intellectual disabilities and just because you might have objectively possibly more intelligence or more of something or more power does not mean that you should use that to abuse another, whether that's an animal or a person. So I do think that there's definitely an interconnectedness with all of this. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I love, I'm glad you mentioned Earthling Ed because I really yeah. do like him because he's so direct and yes. also like very kind. Yeah, he's so patient. Like, yeah. he's, he has a balance of someone being so fierce in his arguments, but yet like still so like respectable and, and, and kind, yeah. Yeah. I think he's a good role model for other vegans and knowing how, how to talk about it and also giving us good talking points and everything. He's yeah. so on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got it. He's on all directions. I think he's really good. Yeah. Um, I like to talk about art and creating things in relationship to like healing and it, yes. especially the things you've talked about with this book makes me curious if putting this book out and being able to talk about it and, you know, creating this piece of art has helped you in your own process of sort of healing from your experience as a kid or any other way? Oh my gosh. Yes. This book is definitely like the most, felt the most personal to me because the first four books were about the animal rights and in the environment. And, you know, that's very close to my heart, but it's not personal to my story. I can't say that one of the characters is like based on me the way I feel about April. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, no, it was definitely 
very, very healing for me. And I really kind of like, like learned a lot, you know, through the book. And and it was definitely my closure. I actually kind of wrote the book when kind of around the time where I was graduating was on my like graduation trip. And like, you know, I saw, you know, my class and everyone was, cause I was homeschooled, but they were all graduating and I actually, you know, I saw the pictures or whatever. And I was like, damn, like it was just like, and I was thinking, and I was like, it was that night where I was like reflecting on my whole experiences at school and, you know, everyone would be like, get over it. Right. But, you know, I have a hard time getting over things and as I said, you know, I'm autistic, so that could also be part of it. And so I, I, it, I actually then had the idea of friends with you up that night, kind of like to give me closure and on, you know, right when I was graduating school. Um, so it was a, a whole thing. And, and also like when I first wrote the book and the friends lift you up, it was because like, I felt like I had certain friends that were so supportive of me and so great. And I looked back on the friends that were in no ways and thought, oh, so those weren't real friends, you know, friends only lift you up. And then one of my friends that I, that I really thought was like perfect, always lifting me up, like, like was who I would think of. And then I kind of demonized the people in my past as like, they didn't, they weren't real friends. But then that golden friend I had did something really hurtful to me while I was working on the book. And it made me really like upset because I was like, damn, like, can I not trust anybody? Is everyone <laughs> like, I thought friends lift you up. And then it taught me this lesson and I hope to share this lesson. I was like, Oh, nobody's perfect. Like it's, and then I realized that people in my past, they weren't just, you know, bad people. And, you know, I haven't been a perfect friend and no one's perfect and relationships are complicated. And then I just kind of learned forgiveness. I was like, where, so I think that's important thing I learned while I was working on friends that you up is though, ideally like, like that trying to figure out how to say it. It's like, you know, like, we're all going through it and we're all, we've all done things to, to lift people up and, and help someone. And we've also all hurt people and been imperfect and tore someone down, whether we we meant to or not, or when we were going through something. And so I really took it as a opportunity when I, when, when one of my good friends hurt me while I was working on the book to be like, because I was like, oh, these people from my past weren't just bad. We were, we were just young. And, and then I had more compassion for them. And, and then some of those people I knew like from school or whatever, kind of a, a, a few of them that started to kind of poke their head back out and, and whatever. And it was as simple as like, do I follow them back on Instagram? And like, or do I respond to their text when they were reaching out, which me before I had the realization of like, of like, no one's perfect. And, and back when I just saw them as bad, I'd be like, no, like they're just toxic. I'm just going to tear them out and I think the idea of also like sometimes people are toxic and sometimes the idea that people are can be a toxic belief too a little bit of like yeah yeah, like because like I've been toxic like we've all been and I think especially when you're like neurodivergent we might appear to be right like I was oh I get to attach I get to all these things that were just like like I thought I some of my quote toxic traits I realized were neurodivergent traits. And so it was mm. sort of internalized ableism at myself that oh, I get wow. too obsessed. I get to all these things. I must be so toxic. And realizing a lot of my friends were also neurodivergent, the people that I was drawn to that were drawn to me. And then I was like, I had more compassion for everyone. And I just really learned forgiveness. And that doesn't mean letting someone too close into your life that, you know, isn't good for you, but, but just a little bit, just, just like, just, just even from a distance, having forgiveness, it gave me a lot of closure. And so I do think that this book was kind of a symbol that taught me a lot as I, I was going through it. Yeah. Mm. One of the things that I'm thinking about and what you're saying, and it it relates to how I 
perceive myself and other people. And I love the way you're kind of like, you're kind of talking about both things, right? Like about other people bullying and your own times when you've bullied or done things, you know, that could be perceived as toxic and all that kind of stuff. And the thing that like feels like a good takeaway from all of that stuff is like, we're not any one thing that we've done or one thing that we are, you know, like it's, we all are like really complicated people and we're all like, yeah. And learning how to feel that way about myself and the other people in my life, like, oh yeah, that thing so-and-so did really sucked. Yeah. (laughs) But like... They, I do that too, you know, like learning yeah. how to forgive, like you said, and I'm having a hard time putting into words, I think the same <laughs> idea that you might have been trying to get at as well. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't get over what you do, um, <laughs> including like your music. You have like released some music. I didn't even realize this until um, just yesterday. So I've been listening to your music. Can we talk about the song Trustfall? Is that the newest, the newest yes. song that's out on Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff? Yes. Let's talk about that. What's tell me about the song? Oh, that song is definitely special to me or whatever. Um, it was the first song I I did on piano. Um, I put it in an album like the year before, um, Feelings on Display. Um, but I didn't do one that was just a piano song, and I was also figuring out how to figure out how to do that. So trust even though I have another song on piano called Hope that came out first, but Trustfall was the one I actually um worked on first um but both those songs are really special to me and um well I guess the story behind like what inspired me to write it was um you know like I feel like it kind of connects with even what we were talking about now that I've opened up about you know having a hard time relationships or being autistic um I uh, and having RSD I you know had like feelings for someone but I was very very scared about it and very scared about getting hurt or being rejected. And um, and I was making up all these excuses against it. Um, and then I, I realized like, oh, I'm just scared. Like I have a hard time. It, it's bigger than just like a relationship or quote falling in love, like I say in the song. It's just letting yourself be happy. It's just, I, I sometimes have a hard time letting myself be happy because I'm, I'll always find something to worry about. So then I wrote the song Trustfall when I realized that 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 I was afraid and and it says you know falling in love is a trustfall you never know if they will catch you and this can maybe hurt so bad um because that's really what it is like you might you always in life whether it's falling in love whether it's going after anything or doing anything or just letting yourself be happy you never it, you, there's always the potential of being hurt like people are afraid to be happy to expose themselves or be vulnerable I, I was watching a lot of um Brenny Brown. Um, and, uh-huh. and I was very aware of this idea of, of vulnerability and how we could be so afraid of it, but that all the best things in life come from being vulnerable. Like that's how we can be happy. That's how we can connect with people and have love and our relationships and have all these things. Um, so that, that's, that what inspired me to write the song. It's a song all about that and about having faith and, and, and having trust. And, and even if you get hurt, um, just, knowing that it'll it'll be worth it to have a connection so yeah well well, i think we should listen to the song and then we'll come back after it (laughs) and um and wrap things up here is trustfall by lotus k are you real or did i just dream you 
don't know if it's the truth I hear, but I want to believe you. And I start to give in, feel I'm losing control. And my mind wants to analyze and question, looking out for my heart's protection. I know this feels so right, but how can I be sure? I just don't know, and so I'm insecure, cause falling in love's a transfer. You never know if they will catch you. I get them all the time Love is in the air But I get scared And hold my breath Sometimes I know this feels so right But how can I be sure I just don't know And I'm so insecure Cause Falling in love's a transfer You never know if they will catch you Trust fall, but you take the risk Cause when you find yourself in someone's arms It's so worth it Falling in love's a trust fall And your arms look real strong But can you handle the weight of my love? Or will you lift me up? I see the signs, I get them all the time When will it be enough for me to trust? Oh, falling in love's a transfer You never know if they will catch you That was Trust Fall from Lotus K, who is with me here on the podcast, as you know, because you've been listening to it the whole time. Um, it's time for us to wrap up our conversation, but I want to make sure people know where to find you online, how to get the book, um, anything else we need to make sure the world knows. Um, I guess we can start with how people can get a copy of the book. There's a few places you could go to. The, the books are part of a project I have called Bears for Cares. So you could go to bearsforcares.com. 
you can go to Amazon to find them or Barnes and Noble. Um, you could go to my website, lotusk.com. That's kind of where everything will be, the books, my music. Um, and then my social medias are Lotus RK. So that's my name, Lotus, and then the letter R when K-A-Y. And that's on um, Instagram and on Twitter. And also I have a TikTok and I talk a lot about um, being autistic on, on my TikTok. So if you're curious at all about that, you can go to my TikTok, Lotus RK. And then I also have uh, Instagram for Bears for Cares, which is at Bears for Cares. And you're curious about, about the books in particular. Um, and also I have an Instagram all about my music, which is Lotus <laughs> K Music. So if you're curious about the music too, another handle so yeah those are that, that's it <laughs> i love it I'm, I'm diligently writing notes down so i'll be sure to include these in the uh, show notes for this podcast so if you're listening right now and you're panicking because you don't know how to write down all these things you can just go to mikeypod.com and okay. all those links will be there as well that's it i think we covered everything thanks so much for doing this podcast i'm yeah. super excited i think it's really fun to talk to you because like i feel like people are at a younger age kind of figuring things out much sooner than, than I did. So it's really exciting to talk to you and, and you have so much awareness about mental health and where you're at and really investigating these things. Um, it gives me a lot of hope about the world headed, being headed in a better place. So thanks for sharing your, yourself with me today. Thank you so much. And so we come to the end of another episode of Mikey Pod. Thank you so much, Lotus K, for joining me today. Thank you, gentle listeners, for being gentle listeners. And thank you, uh, patrons, for being patrons. <laughs> uh, there will be a bonus podcast coming out in the next couple of days. Uh, Patreon.com slash Michael Heron. And uh, that's it. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>